Good morning. All right. Well, we get to open up to Romans 5, and we get to finish the second half of the chapter this morning. I don't know how this uh, this this morning. I don't. I was as Cindy was sharing about the sea stars. I was thinking about my childhood. We grew up uh, three blocks from the ocean, and uh, my dad was a game warden at the beach, and so we spent a lot of time clam digging and exploring tide pools and whatever, and could see the ocean right from my, my bedroom, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, my experience with sea stars and sea fish was a little different. So my brother and I, I don't know, we took it upon ourselves, not sea stars, but jellyfish. We thought it was our job to spear everyone we could with a stick, take them up and throw them on the rocks and let them bake. So that was kind of our fun that we had. So maybe I'll have to rethink my childhood stories in light of the gospel. But um, anyway, we, it was a fun place to grow up as a kid. So, but all right. So uh, Romans chapter five, it's been a while since uh, we were there in, in December. We took a break and, and focused on the birth of Christ, of course. And so it's been uh, about two months since we were in the beginning of Romans 5. And in Romans 5, uh, I, I thought that Come Thou Fount was very appropriate. Some of the, some of the truths in Come Thou Fount that we just sang are uh, uh, very appropriate for what, uh, even when we were dead in our sins, even when we are not dead in our sins, that uh, Ephesians there, but uh, verse 8 of chapter 5, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we, were still, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I was thinking about that verse as, as we were singing um, when God was out finding us, when we were out just wandering about aimlessly and lost. And so that's when, that's when Jesus went to the cross for us and died for us. So the second half of chapter 5 is, is uh, Paul is going to transition from justification by faith, which the first half is about, the justification by faith and how uh, Jesus uh, settled that for us and we have access through faith, into comparison. So he's going to explain the same truth that we're justified by faith, but he's going to do it by comparing Adam and Jesus. He's going to compare them in some similarities, but mainly through the differences, right? And so it's going to, uh, it, it's going to, he's going to look at uh, Adam as a type of Christ, Jesus being the anti-type. And we'll get into that in, in, in a few moments, but he's going to point out that what Adam in his transgression did for us and then what the greater of what Christ did for us on the cross as the second Adam. And so that's what we're going to see this morning. And uh, to do that, or as we're doing that, what I want us to consider or be thinking about, uh, be taking away from this morning is by seeing, and I, and I believe this is what Paul is trying to do, by, by helping us to see what happened in Adam is going to amplify what happened in Christ. right? By looking at how sin is passed down to us is going to magnify all that Christ accomplished 
over all of our sins one time on the cross, right? Okay, and so that's what I want us to come away from is just saying Jesus really did achieve it all. He paid it all. He accomplished it all on the cross for us, and, and we didn't add anything to it, right? And so that's, that's what Paul is going to help us see here. Okay, so verse 12 through the end of the chapter, Paul says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin was, is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from, from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous." Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so it's a pretty, pretty heavy little section, right? It's pretty weighty. Some of those little uh, phrases in there are somewhat hard to understand. At least they are a little bit for me as I read them and you have to kind of work hard and read over it and over it and over it and compare it uh, to a lot of other scriptures to, to uh, maybe understand the, uh, some of the nuances of what Paul is trying to do here. Uh, 20 and 21 there at the end, we probably really won't touch this morning. I read them just because they're a part of that passage, but we'll probably do that next time as we enter into chapter 6 uh, because he does start to... to um, broaden and change his argument there a little bit but but we're going to focus in on on uh, 12 uh, through 19 primarily uh, but we'll maybe pick up that at the end a little bit there in 2021 so sin spread to all mankind right through Adam's sin now as you're thinking about that um there's a lot of other scriptures that we could add to it. Um, and you could camp on that for a long time and talk about all the different theology of how and what all that affects and all that. And we're not going to do that this morning. We're going to try to stick to the specific focus that Paul has here. Uh, because he does have a focus. And his focus is not 
how that sin has affected the universe, how that sin has affected our human bodies and disease and how it's affected our nature, really, even our sin nature. He's not really talking about our sin nature here necessarily. He is a little bit, but not much. We go to a lot of the scriptures and talk about our sin nature, and and those are great passages. Uh, But here, he's, he's mainly focused in on how sin is passed to you and I for the sake of condemnation and judgment. Okay? So, so keep that in mind. He has a specific focus on how sin is passed down through Adam. And that's what we're going we're gonna to try to maintain that because he's comparing Adam and Christ. That, that's the main focus. And I hope you got that because he repeated that like 10 times, right? Adam and Christ, the sin and the, and the grace, right? He just kept going back and forth. It's like every line is a comparison here. And that's what we're going to try to understand. So at first, we just, and you probably know this, but we're just, we're just going to, I'm just going to say that the obvious here with a type and an anti-type. Um, I was thinking this week, uh, uh, Lloyd might, and he might not, get into type and anti-type with Moses. Because clearly, Moses is a type of Christ. Joseph was a type of Christ in certain areas of their life. They, they foreshadowed Christ. They looked forward. They had, they had characteristics of Christ like David did, right? So they are, they're pointing us to the anti-type Christ, who is the ultimate, right? The reality, the focus, the fulfillment. That, those are words that describe the anti-type, the one. The types are, are a representation of something greater, or something that will come later. They're a, they're a foreshadowing. They're, they're a prefiguring of, of the one to come. And so Adam is the type and Christ is the anti-type. All right, we see that uh, in this passage. Uh, Adam is the father of all humanity. Right? Christ is the father of the second humanity, right? Or the new humanity, the born again humanity, right? And so um, we are going to, to see here and in, in we're going we're gonna to take this in kind of in chunks, 12 through 14, and then 15 through 17, and then 18 uh, and 19 uh, mainly. But 12 through 14 here, it's, it's a comparison of the two men, and then he's going to transition in later in 15 through 17 into a comparison of their actions and then the result of their actions. That's kind of how he works through that. It's not strict by any means. It's kind of a blending. But those are some of the things that he uh, is looking at. So there in verse, to begin with, in verse 12, it's therefore, right, tying us to the first half of the chapter, of course, uh, just as through one man... Sin entered the world, and death through sin. I'll just stop there for a sec. We, we, uh, you probably have memorized other portions of Romans, is right? 3.23, for the wages of sin is death, right? We're building on that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get to 6.23, right? Where uh, the gift of God is eternal life, right? Um, um, and, and we're going to... I'm trying to refrain from jumping too much to Romans 8 and chapter 9 as well because there's so much of the culmination of um, 
of all of the salvation issues in, in chapter 8 and 9 and the strength of it, but we don't want to jump to it too much. But, but um, we're going to look, even though the wages of sin and death, the, the gift of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, but, but here um, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We, we understand that because of sin and falling short, we, we come to death. Right? We understand sin leads to death. But that in that death spread to all men because all sin. And we have to be careful there, um, that all sin thing. I'll just read it again here real quick. After that is, for until law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. So, so um, I want to read that again. is because uh, it's true. It's true that you are guilty and deserve judgment and condemnation because you have sinned personally. Right? We know that. Right? We, we get that. We look in our hearts. That's why we're here. We get that. We have forgiveness in Christ. But the, but the focus here is this the spreading of death to all men because of Adam's sin, right? And, that, and that's why he adds these other points of, if there's, there's those, and, and this is one of the first hard parts, there's those that have not sinned according to the likeness of Adam, right? But even besides all that, death still reigned, right? Death still reigned even before the law and, and it continued on. And... But he's going to, in this, in 14, it's pointing to, but Adam is a, is a type of him who is to come. So this, this spreading of death and judgment, condemnation, because of Adam's sin. Uh, that is uh, the first part that we need to see. The, the, the part that we need to see is, in this comparison, in this type, anti-type, and I mentioned Adam is a father of all of us, humanity-wise, he is in a position of um, uh, a covenant head over us. In other words, what he does impacts us. In the same way of what Jesus did impacts us. Right? There, there is a um, responsibility that God held over Adam. We see that in Genesis, right? The, the serpent sinned and brought sin into the world. But who was responsible for the sin in the world? Adam was held responsible. Eve sinned, but who was held responsible? Adam was held responsible. God gave the commandment directly to Adam of what to do and what not to do. He gave Adam his wife, Eve. He was to be head over her, as we see in Corinthians, and he failed to stop her from sinning. He failed to stop the serpent when he was tempting them. He did not protect and watch over, and thus that responsibility is on him for that sin. And that passed down to us as his family, right? And, and so many of us, um, 
I think Americans really struggle with this uh, concept that's through and throughout scripture. But I don't think we should when we understand that what Christ did impacts us as well. We want that part. We just sometimes don't want what was passed on to us when we feel like, that's not fair, I didn't do it, Adam did it, right? But you have to get that idea, we're so individualistic in our country and in our time that we don't think corporately, we don't think big picture. We, we, and here's an example of, of how singularly focused we are is probably when you have read the Old Testament stories, you've said in your mind, that's not fair what God did to them. He's holding that whole family responsible for that husband's sin. Like when Achan's family all got killed because of his sin. Or when an entire city or a whole country was devastated because of somebody's sin. Right? And you're like, that's not fair. They didn't do anything wrong. Why did all the women and children also die in that battle? Like, that's not fair. But what we don't get is the big picture of what, how sick sin really is and how what you do affects others. How what I do as a husband, as a father, affects others. How you in your sphere of influence affects everything around you. How many times have I heard, well, from people when, you're, when they're caught in sin is, it's just mine. It doesn't affect anybody else. You've probably said that yourself. I have. At least I've thought it. Right? It's my sin. It's just mine. It doesn't affect anybody else. And then you see it come out in your kids. You're like, oh, it does impact others. Right? That's just a little example. But everything we do is more than just you. It, it, your impact and influence, I don't think we're going to even come close to seeing the immensity of that until we enter into heaven. Right? And God doesn't think, he does think in individual terms. You have to place your faith in Christ, right? He does think individually. But God also thinks regionally, country, nation, people group, language. He thinks worldwide. He thinks in big picture of what sin does. I, I think about that in terms of Noah. There was probably some other pretty good people that we would call good people in Noah's day that had to swim, right? But God wiped them out because of the immensity of sin. So, so we back up and we look at what God did in the garden. When Adam sinned, God's curse went on all humanity because of Adam's sin. And that's what Paul wants us to think about because he wants to see the gravity of that situation and now move it on to the greatness of all the immensity of sin ever since then that Christ bore on the cross. And that what he did on the cross forgives all of our sin through our faith in him. And so he's, it's a, and you probably saw it three times in this passage, much more, much more much more. How much more is what Christ did? So, so, but back to this, back to this, I'm, I kind of got off a little bit there, but um, the sin of Adam 
is spread to you through this um, uh, relationship. I want to. I want to say um, uh, my the the word that I had. Um, representative head. That's the phrase I was looking for. Adam is your representative head over you, and thus you're guilty. And then we're going to get to our new representative head. We were born in Adam. The new Adam, the second Adam, is Christ. When you place your faith in him, when you are born again, you are born into Christ. You are in Christ. He is, you are no longer in Adam. You are now in Christ. He is your representative head, and what he did now takes care of all your sin. Right? And so that is, that now, for, now you are therefore no longer guilty under condemnation because of what he did right and so adam's sin was imputed to you now christ's righteousness is imputed to you through faith right and so so and and this this verse um 13 is fairly easy uh for until the law was in the world um for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. That one, that's not too hard. Okay, they weren't, um, all those until Moses were not guilty of the law because the law wasn't given yet, right? They, they couldn't be held accountable for all that God was going to give them later. They were held accountable for what they had then, which was a lot, but not everything, right? But the point is here in verse 14, this is a little bit harder, is when nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses, um, we get that. Death reigned, right? They were guilty of their sin, and death reigned, right? We can look around the world and see where death is reigning all over the place, right? But the passage is hard, is even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. So there are some, uh, people are going to take this transgression of Adam in a, in a multitude of different ways. Uh, uh, the one I liked the most as I was trying to study this passage out a little bit this week was, was uh, John Piper's explanation was, he, he would look at that and go, oh, there were some that were not... Uh, had not willfully sinned like Adam did when God gave him the command and he willfully disobeyed it. There are those that did not willfully sin according to that. That was that willfully transgression against God. He would say that would be the innocent ones, right? Children, babies who had not come to that age where they were yet said, I'm outwardly defying commands that are given me, right? could be it makes good plausible sense and and that's a whole nother deal for another passage but but all that to say is i don't know exactly what he means in this little phrase here there's there but there's others that will give a, a bunch of different explanations but that doesn't impact the, the the bigger picture of this passage in understanding what paul is trying to do needless to say there are some that that we're not guilty in that sense as Adam was, but they're still guilty of sin. They're still under that, uh, under that guilty of that sin that was passed from Adam. They're still in need of grace. They're still in need of forgiveness. They're still in need of justification, regardless, because death was still reigning. Because Adam is a type of him who was to come. Sin was passed on. So, uh, moving down to 15, this free gift 
And that's a, another little focus here. Gift is repeated multiple times here. This free gift is in comparison to the condemnation of the actions of Adam, right? This gift is not like the offense. And then he says it again in verse 16, and the gift is not like that which came from the one who sinned, right? So there's, there's, there were similarities in 12 through 14 in the likenesses of um, our two fathers of of Adam, and then moving on to the greatness of Christ, and he's going to, he's barely introduced that in the end of 14, he's going to build that to the end, but now he's going to move on to the actions of the two, this gift, what happened through Adam, and what happened through Christ, and what came from uh, obedience of Christ is a free gift. Just like you didn't do anything when Adam sinned, you didn't do anything when Christ went to the cross. That's, that's one of the main themes here, right? You, you, were, you received condemnation from Adam's sin. You receive a free gift through Jesus Christ's obedience, right? Okay, so uh, the free gift is not like the offense. The similarity in that those two actions is they impacted us. They both impacted us in massive ways. But that's about where they stop, right? The differences are obvious and they're also and the differences are also I think somewhat I'm still trying to gain more understanding on some of this that what Paul has in all of when he says much more. But we'll look at the obvious, and then I'll try to hint toward what I think is, is there's some that's not so obvious. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense, many died. Right? We get that. Adam sinned. We all receive the death sentence. Right? Which is what? Condemnation, judgment, is separation from God. We know that. It's the obvious. It's Separation from God, it's physical death, it's spiritual death, and that spiritual death is eternal or everlasting, however you want to say that, right? It, it is punishment that will continue to have an effect for the rest of eternity. But one man's offense, many died. Much more Right? And, and Paul has brought this in before and earlier in chapter 5, but this much more argument is one that he likes. Much more than that, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Both actions of both men impact multitudes. The globe. Right? Billions. But the much more is, is easy to see in the sense of Jesus' blood. Uh, there was one offense, and we're going to get to this is kind of through 16 and 17. There's, there's one offense, and death came. There's, there's one... Uh, there is one act, I guess, of obedience, but it's not really one act. Um, the cross, you could point to the cross, but one man's obedience, Christ, is, it's really his obedience that made him the right 
Offering is everything, right? It's all of his obedience, right? It's his perfect, sinless life, right? But that impacted, abounded to many. And, and Paul's descriptive here, abounding grace. Um, he, and he does that uh, a couple different times where he says, um, uh, the, the, the abundance here in verse 15 and then down in uh, 17, he also says that the, um, those who receive the abundance of grace. So in the, this much more, he, he is seeing, obviously, the gift of life is abounding to many over, over a multitude of sins, right? It's covering over a multitude of sins. And, and not only that, it, it, well, here's where I don't want to reference too much of chapter 8, but no one can take that life away from you. Right? What Christ gives as a free gift is once and for all permanent, nothing can separate. Right? That, that is certainly abounding grace. Right? That's abounding grace. But, but I think what he's trying to do in this much more, the grace of God by the gift, uh, and the gift by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Um, and then I'm going to drop down here and skip a little bit here. And he says in 17 there, For if by the one man's offense death reigned uh, through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. He's, he's going to go in this much more argument here. He's going to go much more death reigned, but life reigns. He uses reign in there and he compares those as well. In, in righteousness, life is reigning. And I think what he wants to do in that is he's showing us that what is, what is God's focus in the Bible, in redemptive history, in Scripture, in, G, in the giving of Jesus Christ, in him telling us the truth in his word, what is God's main point? Is it death and destruction? No. Those things are true and, and correct and just, right? Death and damnation, those things are just. But what's the main focus? The main focus is grace and life and reigning and love and forgiveness and justification. That, that's God's focus, the beauty of what he's doing with his children, right? That's the whole point of him telling the story is to save his people, right? That's what it's all about. And so I think in Paul's mind here, and I could be a little bit off track, but I think in his mind when he says judgment came from the one, but so much more comes through Christ. So much more through his gift. Because not only do we get forgiveness, that might be that even trade, right? Death, okay, we get forgiven. But it's all about this abundance of life that we get. Right? You can... If you read through Revelation, there's a ton of judgment, right? But, but in there, there is a ton of grace, right? It's all no more tears, no more crying, no more sadness. We, have, we are given this life that we get to reign with Jesus Christ for all eternity. We get the life with God. Right? There is this, there's, a, there's a beauty of the, 
of the radiance of glory that we get to share in. It's not like we're just given some, oh, you're a bad kid, you just, oh, forgive you and just give you the back room here somewhere, right? We are brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ and we get to share in his glory. When, when I think about those kind of truths, it really um, makes me go, God, that isn't fair. Like, I really, really, really don't deserve that. And I don't even understand how you can give me that, right? Because I somehow don't really fully understand all that Jesus did, right? That's the only conclusion I can come to is I don't really fully get all that he did, so I don't really fully get all that he's going to do for me. And too many times I'm like, yeah, God, I can see how you can give that to, you know, somebody else. But, yeah, just, if I can just be in the back, that would be pretty good, right? But that's how I feel because I need, to, I need scriptures like this to say, oh, this free gift is really a gift. Uh, of course I don't deserve it. He gives me what I really don't deserve, and I need to just need to relish in his, in his abundant grace that he gives us and, and be more excited about that, the much more excitement uh, idea. Is, and, and so I'm kind of skipping some here and kind of bouncing a little bit, and I apologize for that. But, uh, but 16 and through here is this gift. Uh, judgment is from one offense goes to condemnation, but the free gift, which came from many offenses, results in justification. So this whole passage is still about this justification. But death reigns in 17 there, much more abundant of grace, the gift of righteousness, we reign in life in Christ. And, and so, and then I feel like 18 and 19, um, Paul is going to say, okay, I'm doing these much more arguments. I'm doing the sin and the and the and the uh, uh, the condemnation versus this other what Jesus did. Now I want to pull out of that a little bit and 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 give the the summary of that so you don't lose sight of um, the, this focus of what's being passed on from the two representatives that we have. And he drives it home, really, therefore, in, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through the one man's righteous act, the free gift to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous, right? He is, like, I'm not sure if you're getting it, but he is pounding that truth home over and over. And even as I read some of my notes here, I'm like, I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over and over. But that's when he's trying to be that thorough teacher, right? That you walk away going, I got it. I got the message. Sin came and judgment came from Adam and this free gift of righteousness and life comes through Jesus, and it has nothing to do with what I did or didn't do, right? Okay, so that's, that is the point, and, and as we, I'll just read through 20 and 21 to finish up, and I, and I don't want this, so please, I said it, it kind of more at the outset, but I don't want it to take away from that focus. So be careful with this, but I just do want to, emphasize again is 
the actions of Adam are huge. The actions of Christ are huge. And our actions carry on in huge ways. Right? God gives you a, a, a place in this world of influence, a sphere, whatever you want to call it, a position. Um, in a family, in a, in a job, in, in an area. And um, we're responsible for that. And that scares me sometimes. It really does. It, it bothers me, and I ask for forgiveness a lot for my failures in my little sphere of the world. And um, because sometimes when I look at the billions, oh, yeah, we're really small. But... God is using really small, and he has for all time, using really small to have massive impacts on the world, whether it be his apostles or, or whoever, right? So, but don't let that take away from this focus here. Let's close to 20 and 21, and then we'll pray. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a lot of reasons to praise for those two verses right there. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for your word. Sometimes it's um, easily understood. Sometimes it's a little more difficult. and Sometimes uh, it's repetitive, and that's so good for us. And, and Father, we just, we just want to take this morning this time that we've had, these few moments, just to uh, find more reasons to worship you, um, to separate our minds out from thinking about all the cares and concerns that we go back to in a little bit, just to focus in on the greatness of the obedience of Christ. Father, we're thankful that, uh, you're, that you gave your son. Father, we're thankful that your son was obedient to the point of death. Father, we're thankful for uh, all of his obedience and treat, teaching the truth and, and um, um, condemning heresies and pointing out errors and, and healing those that were in need. And uh, Father, we're just thankful for his compassion in obedience and his spreading of uh, love. And Father, his taking in those that are broken in so many ways. Father, we're thankful that he, uh, through his obedience, brought all of the justification that we need, all of the forgiveness that we need, and gives, gives us so much to look forward to. Fathers, we know that we currently uh, have life by faith and that we will continue for all eternity to reign in life with Jesus. Father, we're we're thankful for those uh, immense truths. Father, we just ask that you just impress them on our hearts this week and that we would, uh, as Cindy shared, we would, we would find uh, those to share that with this week. We ask it in Christ's name.